Uh, so, I mean, I guess, first of all, everyone who's listening and watching, thanks for joining. Light Shed, we're all displaced. Mark's displaced. We thought it'd be great to just sort of catch up with everyone after w- probably one of the craziest weeks of, of my career, our careers, and really start to just talk about what we're thinking about, what we're hearing, big questions we're getting from clients. Mark was nice enough to spend a few minutes with us at the start of this, this um, conversation, and I, I think hopefully bring some perspective on a lot of the things that he touches in terms of sports and live entertainment. Uh, we've got my partner at Lightshed, uh, Walt Pysik, Brandon Ross. Uh, we're all really excited to have you join us. We've got over almost 90 people online already uh, and more joining. So, wait, wait, where, wait, wait. Where do you guys get your backgrounds from? I feel like I, I screwed up. There guys, are vir- virtual backgrounds on, on, on Zoom. On that uh, arrow next to... Uh, yeah, this is not a virtual you. trophy, so I just wanted to make that point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, <Lord. laughs> I, I guess um you know mark i guess maybe start off with well obviously we obviously have no, no idea uh how long this whole pandemic is going to last adam and team obviously seem hopeful that at some point later this year we get the playoffs in how long do you think the NBA can wait? I mean, is it, I assume even if it's late summer, this could still happen? Sure. I mean, there, there are no rules, right? We're, this is FUBAR nation. There, there are FUBAR markets. There, there are no rules. And so we can, we can do whatever we want. Um, you know, like any other business, we're going to discuss everything with our partners and see what puts them in the best position and, and try to do what's best for our fans, customers, and get back on, get back on track whenever that time is. We've been thinking about what this means for, I mean, TV viewership's obviously going up a lot. I mean, I've seen numbers yep. double digits, streaming's going up a lot. You know, I think one of the questions we wrestle with is, you know, I, I, I assume from a court cutting standpoint, this actually could be helpful to the industry. But, you know, I, I guess it would be great to kind of debate that topic. A hundred percent helpful. Go on. Yeah, so there's two sides to it. One, are people keeping their jobs, which they're not going to, right? So for those people who lose their jobs and happen to be, um, pay TV subscribers, that's going to be a problem like it is in any downturn. Um, on the flip side, consumption is just going to skyrocket. The question becomes, can it skyrocket too much? And what's the impact? In other words, if um, Netflix is going to benefit, the, the subscribers are going to go up, but simultaneous to that, production is ground to a halt. And not only is consumption going up, but with no new content coming on, are people going to consume? Uh, so, I mean, I guess, first of all, everyone who's listening and watching. Uh, so, I mean, I guess, first of all, everyone who's listening and watching, thanks for joining. Light Shed, we're all displaced. Mark's displaced. We thought it'd be great to just sort of catch up with everyone after w- probably one of the craziest weeks of, of my career, our careers, and really start to just talk about what we're thinking about, what we're hearing, big questions we're getting from clients. Mark was nice enough to spend a few minutes with us at the start of this, this um, conversation. And I think hopefully bring some perspective on a lot of the things that he touches in terms of sports and live entertainment. Uh, we've got my partner at Lightshed, uh, Walt Pysik, Brandon Ross. Uh, we're all really excited to have you join us. We've got over almost 90 people online already uh, and more joining. So, wait, wait, where, wait, wait. Where do you guys get your, your backgrounds from? I feel like I, I screwed up. There guys, are vir- virtual backgrounds on, on, on Zoom. On that uh, arrow next to... Uh, yeah, because this is not a virtual you. trophy, so I just wanted to make that point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I guess, um, you know, Mark, I guess maybe start off with, well, obviously, we obviously have no, no idea uh, how long this whole pandemic is going to last. Adam and team obviously seem hopeful that at some point later this year, we get the playoffs in. How long do you think the NBA can wait? I mean, is it, I assume even if it's late summer, this could still happen? Sure. I mean, there, there are no rules, right? We're, this is FUBAR nation. There, there are FUBAR markets. There, there are no rules. And so we can, we can do whatever we want. Um, you know, like any other business, we're going to discuss everything with our partners and see what puts them in the best position and, and try to do what's best for our fans, customers, and get back on, get back on track whenever that time is. We've been thinking about what this means for, I mean, TV viewership's obviously going up a lot. I mean, I've seen numbers double digits, streaming's going up a lot. You know, I think one of the questions we wrestle with is, you know, I, I, I assume from a cord cutting standpoint, this actually could be helpful to the industry. But, you know, I, I guess it would be great to kind of debate that topic. A hundred percent helpful. Go on. Yeah. So there's two sides to it. One are people keeping their jobs, which they're not going to. Right. So for those people who lose their jobs and happen to be, um, pay TV subscribers, that's going to be a problem like it is in any downturn. Um, on the flip side, consumption is just going to skyrocket. The question becomes, can it skyrocket too much? And what's the impact? In other words, if um, Netflix is going to benefit, the, the subscribers are going to go up, but simultaneous to that, production is ground to a halt. And not only is consumption going up, but with no new content coming on, are people going to consume everything that each streamer has to offer. And when that happens, and I think it will, because I think we'll be out longer rather than shorter, then sports is going to become the, the most valuable content on the planet for two reasons. One, once we come out of this, sports is what's going to bring us together and give us a sense of normalcy. And the excitement about Philly games, you know, Sixers, um, Flyers, um, Eagles, Liverpool, yeah, Liverpool, all of the above, right? There's going to be everybody's going to rally around their team and rally around their nation if the Olympics are held, and so that is going to just explode the interest and value and the just the spirit um, of every city and country around sports. Do you think when they, when are they going to wait to bring sports back until it's, it's okay to fill the stadiums or will there be any type of, you know, no, intermediate ground? I'm just guessing, but I think it, when it's safe, we'll play. Yeah. The question, yeah, I guess I think, we, one, one of the questions is, is like, do you play with the stadiums half full every other seat? Uh, I mean, no, I mean the same question. No, no, it, when it's safe, right? Because the country will need us. This is bigger than basketball, football, hockey, baseball, soccer. The country is going to need us. Go out two months. I mean, it's been one, it's been nine days since that Mavs game when we were the last game played. Nine games, nine days, right? And it feels like nine months. Yeah. Was I mean, it will be the seminal moment. Remember when Bush came out and threw the first pitch uh, after 9-11. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be a seminal moment. I just don't know how long it's going to take to get to a point where it's it's safe enough to to fill a state or at least the perception yeah. of safety is I, that, I, part I, won't matter. I, that part won't matter because the amount of money related to um to to gate and uh per caps you know we we can give up on that it, it's valuable don't get me wrong it's a lot of money 
but relative to the impact, you know, pre-corona versus post-corona on of sports on media, I mean, it, the value is just going to skyrocket. And so just because, because the country needs us, not because the game has changed, but because the country needs us. And so I think that's very important. And that trying to the moral the moral value of doing what's right for the country will um, be far more important than you know okay well we have a gate gate receipts and fans in the in the seats that that'll be far less important right so the bottom line is you're you think the nba would get back um to playing before fans can fill the arena yes. the minute it's safe so It'll, it'll obviously trying to put, you know, 15 to 20,000 people in, in, a, in an arena. It, people are going to be hesitant. They're not going to trust. That's going to be difficult. There's, there'll, there'll still be risk factors that everybody will talk about, um, as opposed to having 20, you know, 30 people from each team that are right. there um, and broadcasting it live on TV. That, that will have or stream it. And, and I think really one of the biggest battles will be, you know, do they open it up for simulcasting so that um, not just pay TV customers, but everybody gets access to these sports. That'll be the biggest question. Yeah. Well, the other question is, is like baseball's going on during the summer theoretically. And so you're going to have a lot of sports all on top of each other for really the first time ever in the middle of potentially in the middle of summer or late summer. Well, I think that's a baseball problem. Um, more than anything else, because baseball is just going to be overshadowed as it's kind of the sport of, of least interest at yeah, this and plus, point. You know, every, every sport has had a lockout. And during every lockout, the pundits have said it's over, right? Fan interest is going to decline. They're not going to come back. And every single time, interest yeah. has accelerated. No, I agree with that. I think I think the problem that baseball is going to have is going up against basketball um, for for the latter part of its season. Well, Brandon, also ESPN. I think the leagues will coordinate as best they can. You know, because football will be on weekends. You know, if we're not playing in stadiums and TV use or in arenas rather for basketball and hockey, and TV usage is still going to be down on weekends. And look. The minute people can go outdoors, even if we can't congregate, TV usage on the weekend is going to plummet. And so football games, you know, will be played on Sunday. Um, and then you'll see everything else squished, in, you know, and organized to the middle, right, during the week, because that's the only thing that makes sense. And given that there's no production going on for television, there'll be live news and live things on television. There'll be some things that, you know, that are in the can that you'll be put on on television and streaming. Um, and then there'll be live sports and it would make sense to me. And I don't want to speak for Adam or the NBA, but it would make sense to me that all that was organized. Okay. NHL, you get Monday nights, baseball. I mean, um, NBA, you get Tuesday nights, baseball, whatever. Right. You know, and then we kind of work together to, to give each other a chance to, to really benefit. I mean, there was One a of the news questions- report on, Rich, there was a news report on ESPN that I had sent to you about how EPL is talking about, hey, they want to finish the current season before they start the next season. So you're talking about games out of their regular window of playing. I think there was a question on our chat about that in terms of like there may be additional overlap for some of these sports leagues if they're trying to make up games that they hadn't played. I don't think they're just going to forfeit in EPL's case. I'm not sure they're just going to like not play those games to finish out the season. Maybe they will. Well, you could I, don't, just I don't know. Yeah. I mean, wasn't the NBA someone? I think it was um, the, someone from the Atlanta Hawks, uh, maybe Steve Coonan or somebody, who sit, who had 
suggested that the NBA start later anyway. Yeah, of course. Maybe, I've been maybe talking start about in that. December. Yeah, what, I've been what, talking about. I've been you talking talk about, about the videos. logic behind yeah, that. About, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brent. Go ahead. Or maybe just talk about the logic behind that and how this could be a catalyst for that to happen permanently, potentially. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been an advocate of that for years because, you know, our our season in terms of interest truly doesn't start until Christmas Day. And it was always, why don't we just start Christmas Day? And then, you know, during the, the, the way things used to be under pay TV before, you know, Rich and his break up the bundle um, – uh, good, luck, good luck bundle get a smile there we go uh, yeah good luck bundle whatever it is um but you know back then there was enough um households using television um there weren't enough during the summer right and every household mattered now even before pre-corona we were in a different landscape post-corona you know in a foobar world it's even going to be even further different and so all bets are off all rules you just have to do the math right and if the math tells us that audiences are stronger what here let me rephrase that i i think there there's right when we come back there's going to be like three segments um the way you can identify timelines one right when we come back without fans probably who knows but right when we come back because then viewership is going to be skyrocketing it's going to be through the roof whoever comes back first Boom. I mean, everybody's going to be a fan, even if you can't stand basketball. Then number two is, okay, people get out of the house. Then they're out of the house, right? Because we've been cooped up so long. You're doing everything possible to get out of the house. And Vegas is going to be full of debauchery. <laughs> it'll be the craziest place. You know, it'll be Caligula all day, every day. Um, and then things will start to normalize at some point, right? And then in that normalization period where we're kind of back to normal, whether it's Six months, one year, two years, five years, nobody can predict. But whenever that point is, then to, to your question, Brandon, then we'll, where are we in terms of our contracts, um, simulcasting, households using television, um, and then we'll just make the best decisions. But it would seem to me in a normalized environment, it would make sense to start our season later. It's something I've been asking for for years, but always got shot down because our TV partners didn't think there were enough households using television. Um, just for everyone who's listening, if you want to ask a question, there's a Q&A dialogue. We'll certainly ask any questions that you want asked. I guess, Mark, you keep using the word safe, people are asking. Who do you think is going to determine what the word safe means? Do you, like, do you think it's going to be a governmental decision on safe? Is it going to be Adam's decision? Like, how do we determine when, when it's safe to start playing again? Dr. Fauci. He's the rock star. He'll tell us. That's the one guy I trust, you know? And, you know, we'll have our epidemiologists, the NBA, we'll talk to everybody. But I think, you know, people aren't going to believe it's safe until he says so. <laughs> I think he's the one guy. I mean, tell me if you disagree, but I think he's the one guy people have become to trust. And he's been kind of ubiquitous talking about this. And he's, he's who I've been listening to. Um, but that's when fans and everybody, I think, will, will come to realize that we can play these games and it's okay to have 40 people together, just not larger crowds, and that's enough for us to play a game. Um, but it'll, I'm sure the league will make sure that we do all the, dot all the I's and, and cross all the T's because there, there'll be absolutely no reason to, to take a risk. The last place we want to be in is we played and, oh, no, you know, it, it came back. Then we're destroyed. And so we'll, we'll be conservative in that manner. 
you know, there's, Mark, uh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead Rich. No, no, you go, go ahead. ahead. Brandon, go ahead. I was, I was going to shift topics a little bit because you've been pretty vocal. You've been um, on CNBC and whatnot, talking about some of the places that you're starting um, to, to dip money in. And, and one of those um, was Live Nation. And we're, we're kind of on the, the topic of, of Live now. Can, can you maybe talk a little bit about why you started buying that stock? and how you see kind of the next year or two evolving for that company. So whenever we're back to safe, you know, whenever people can congregate again, like I mentioned, um, people are going to die, could do everything possible to get out of the house and have fun again. Um, and having concerts and having sporting events, I think are going to be the two primary um, enablers of, of, you know, we're calling the cure for cabin fever. And obviously the, the leading promoter, presenter um, is Live Nation. I'll, I'll give you another example, right? So when Indiana University decided to cancel their commencement, um, their graduation address, um, I got, I can't tell you how many Instagrams from all these people saying, can you do something about it? Can you do something about it? I'm like, it's the right thing to do, um, you know, kids, right? So I'm like, it's the yeah. right thing to do. Well, what do you think about this? Come back in August, assuming everything, it's safe by August. And we'll have the world's biggest concert and world's biggest party. And I just te- I emailed um, Rapino and Fire said, Festival. what do you think about this idea? And the entire company, and I said, the entire country, every big university, one day, graduation day, graduation 2020 day, where there's a concert on every big campus. People, I mean, people go nuts over that, right? Just artists still have to eat. They will find a way to tour. They will find a way to promote. And not just the streaming stuff you're seeing now. And so when we're able to congregate, able to go out in large groups, I think Live Nation is going to be the biggest beneficiary. And then there's going to be a lot of promoters who just won't be able to survive, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, I think that we're going to see that kind of across small and medium businesses. Um, and in this country, I think our government will do whatever they can to kind of keep them afloat. But we have to remember that Live Nation is also a global business. And a lot of their market share gains and the market share gains to be had are international. And they've been out there, you know, buying however many, five, six, seven promoters internationally per year. What happens now when many of these promoters go away? Does Live Nation just take massive market share um, globally? Is there really any competition left? And there's going to be so much pent up demand. And artists are going to have are going to need more money than ever before. So you know the, the biggest issue is going to be: will there be too many concerts, and will people have enough money to attend? You know, globally. I also think I also think historically artists have always rallied around crises. I mean, go back exactly. throughout history, and exactly. you know, I think I always think of yeah. where are the world, and I, I I think about the types of things that you're seeing artists do on Instagram Live with John Legend. I mean, you've seen artist after artist going live, and people are trying to keep people happy and motivated, and I just think we're going to see more and more of that the minute you can actually get out. I can't imagine people are going to go out and watch concerts as soon as they're allowed to go out and watch concerts. Exactly. Exactly. I think I think the biggest question is just when when that day will be. Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. I mean, we yeah, don't. No know. one knows. Yeah, yeah and no, no and knows. and and nobody knows. And I I think obviously you've seen the stock really, <laughs> you know, take a dive. And I think it's just it's just fear out there that this is going to go on for many many more quarters. And um, it will. And and and, 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 and then so there's yeah. 
there's you know whatever potential liquidity issues like but i think that's also a misunderstanding of how much liquidity this company actually does have well and part of that is that's well, that's pre any type of government support right you know they'll they'll be eligible for something right here and internationally and so i'm not i'm not worried about liquidity as much as just timing but you know what you know, they say where there's change, there's opportunity. Yeah. But where there's foobar, heroes are made. And this is a foobar situation, and this is where you buy your heroes. But, Brandon, there was also a lot of misunderstanding r- r- related to Liberty, right, or the other day in terms of what they did around Live Nation that might also help people understand what's really going on. What, what, vis-a-vis the margin loan? Well, actually, we, we spoke to Courtney Chun um, before – uh, who runs investor relations for Liberty before this. And, and she wanted the message out there that 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 margin loan was collateralized with Live Nation stock. Um, but the reason they paid it down had nothing to do um, with a margin call or anything they got. They just wanted to kind of relieve pressure um, that was on their stock from having it outstanding because people don't like margin loans right now and whatever pressure um, that was that was putting on on Live Nation stock. Um, so they they didn't uh, do that out of necessity. And the other thing that Courtney wanted to point out that came from Greg Maffei himself was, again, that Live Nation has plenty of liquidity, um, whether it's revolver, uh, delay draw, term loan, um, and the probably couple of billion dollars of deferred revenues that are that are sitting on their balance sheet, which should be able to get them um, through through several quarters. So that's Look a message that they Look wanted to pass on. Yeah, try to buy some of their bonds. Yeah, the bonds are trading, I think, in the low 80s right now. I mean, uh, trying to buy some, you couldn't get them in the low 80s. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Interesting. I tried. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, do you think, you know, the Mark, do you think there's any MFN issues where, you know, we think about companies like ESPN and Fox Sports and Sinclair, they're all heavily levered to sports payments. Um, you know, obviously the NBA got paid all of their fees. I assume ESPN and, and TNT got paid all of their fees because enough of the season was completed. But as we keep going, uh, at some point, I assume issues start to develop. Yes. Well, it depends when all this happens. You know, first you're going to see, you know, as – as we get into October and November, assuming we can vote and hopefully to God we will, um, uh-huh. there's going to be so much money spent on political advertising. It'll be, it'll dwarf 2016. So that's one. Two, everybody who got government money, you know, if it, like our guys have told me that pay-per-click rates are going, are dropping like a rock. Right. And so we're trying to encourage our smaller companies who, you know, have our, probably 40, 50% of our little Shark Tank, little companies are doing well, right? People who sell consumables, things that you need at home. And so we're amping up their spending because the pay-per-click has dropped, but we anticipate that they go up as things have some level of normalcy, even if the normalcy is where we're used to being at home. And I think TV will have the same thing where Sinclair will start to benefit from people expecting um, the games to come back and people will start to benefit. Local news is already way up. So Sinclair is going to benefit there um, dramatically, right? Local TV viewing is way up. Sinclair will benefit there. But when we come back and play, those games are going to be enormous and advertisers are going to want to be there for that feel good. 
right? So you're going to see the world's biggest advertisers who have, who have probably gotten fed money and are looking to, to, you know, amplify whatever it is they're selling or doing, spending just boatloads. I mean, wouldn't you, when you know, that, that first, the rest of the NBA season, let's just say we play five games to close out the season, they get into the playoffs. Wouldn't you want to be part of that when you know the whole world is watching? Yes. And so I think that the um, RSNs will benefit significantly there. I hope they will. Now, what happens next season and the season after that, I think hopefully all the MFNs will be renegotiated um, so that, you know, we can try new things and do different things. What do you want to do? I mean, you've been a big advocate. I mean, I think in some ways you've been envious of the NFL having so much of their content, especially local content on broadcast. What would you, if you, if you could like have a whiteboard, uh, and it, literally, we were starting from scratch. What would Mark Cuban want? We're like, where would I? Where would you want me to get NBA games versus primarily on regional sports networks that require a cable subscription? So I'd want um, to partner with Sinclair, the R, every team to partner with an RSN to buy a stick that still has an over-the-air channel, and to work out a partnership to have open streams where you can subscribe to the stream directly, and we pay back. Um, we net out to the um, MVPD an amount that they make. They make more money per stream per streaming subscription um, than they would with their um, traditional RSN payment, right? So if you're a Mavs fan and you want to get it, um, you know, let me try to qu- clarify. Okay, so let's start. If you're a Mavs fan and you just want to buy the stream and it's nine dollars a month in the season. And all that money goes to Sinclair and to the MVPD. I'm fine with that. The Mavs don't need to get a penny out of that, right? Because we're getting our money from our deal with the RSN. In terms of OTA, hopefully there's enough money with Sinclair with must carry so it can make up part of the Delta and what they might lose and lost subscribers. So that must carry, they make up a big chunk of the revenue there. And because it's over the air, and more people are watching the games, they make up more with advertising so that it's a net gain for them. That, in a perfect universe, that's what I would hope would happen, if I explained that right. Hey, Mark, small businesses is probably <clears throat> getting fucked particularly hard in all this and not really anything in terms of the policies that have helped right. them. Do you have any views in terms of what Fed or state can do or 30-day, yeah. can, can they do 30-day renovatements? Yeah, um, I have a view on everything, right? <laughs> Whether they're right or wrong, that's a whole different conversation. But, but SMB, I mean, it seems like they're kind of getting left in the lurch here. What are, what are your thoughts there? Okay, so what I, what I told, I just talked to, I've talked to multiple senators and congressmen. Here's exactly what I told them. I said, the Fed, the, you know, the government, whatever it is, should go to every small bank and just say, you know what? These are desperate foobar time. We, we, you can loan to anybody that has that's filed their taxes um, last year, not this year, but last year. So we know they've been in business and can demonstrate that they're an ongoing concern and can demonstrate that they've retained all their employees or from day X retained their employees. Have them go into any um, any bank and they can borrow the money they need for operating and payroll expenses. Period. End of story. And then we'll deal with the moral hazards separately so that you know there's going to be people who try to scam it. So we'll institute criminal penalties. If you try to game the system, if you try to fuck the taxpayer, you're going to jail. Yeah. Right. But you need to remove all friction. This is no longer ready, aim, fire. It's got to be ready, fire, aim because these are desperate times. And by removing that friction, then you're in good 
good spot. Now that's one option. The second option, you know, you see um, apps like Chime and Dave are two of the ones that I've worked with where they have overdraft protection, right? So if you download the app Dave and you were like me when I was, you know, just getting out of college and it wasn't unusual for me to bounce check and today you're getting hit with a $35 overdraft fee. Well, what apps like Dave and Chime do is they say, okay, you're about to overdraft. We're going to loan you $75 and that way you're not going to get hit with a $35 overdraft fee. Give me a dollar, right? And that, if we did the same thing, if we said to banks, the federal government for small and medium-sized businesses will cover all the overdrafts and convert those into a loan, that way all the small businesses can keep on writing checks. And the banks that have these accounts already know which ones are the small, medium-sized businesses they've been doing, and they can look at their historical statements to make sure they're in line. So you can max it out to say, these are the total number of checks for payroll and overhead that you've written on average over the past year or seasonally over the past X years. So we'll give you overdraft protection up to 30,000 if you're a little bar, 300,000, 3 million, 30 million, whatever it is, and the Fed will guarantee it. If you do that, that's even better because you just like, you know, say, okay, we're doing this. And now all of a sudden, every single business in the country is protected except cash-based businesses, you know. And then you have to make some accommodation for independent contractors and gig workers who are in the same position. Can they do anything legally with rents, do you think? Is there any way that they can? So think, so think about this, Walt, right? You can deal with the symptom or you can deal with the problem. Yeah. The problem is a lot. If they overdraft, then they can pay their rents on the overdraft. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's not about mortgage, rent, yep. you know, insurance, this or that, right? It's all covered. So we've had a couple of people who wanted to go back to um, NBA and just, you know, in the, in, in the example that there was no playoffs, uh, which I know sounds horrific at the moment, but if there wasn't, it's my understanding that the NBA still gets paid because enough of the season has already happened. Is that your understanding as well? I, I, don't, that you mean, know. I don't know. You know. I think so. But, you know, it, whatever happens, happens. And that's what we deal with. And, you know, if the season doesn't resume, just from a, a team standpoint, do you, do you give credits to people who have tickets? Like what happens on the on – the- Most likely, yeah. I mean, we just give credits, you know, and go from there. You know, all teams are in a renewal mode for next season. Um, buying, so it's really easy just to credit them against their next year's season tickets. Got it. Is there anything that's being done um, on the individual team level to, to – kind of shore up liquidity. I know you guys have debt limitations um, at, at the team level. Are those being relaxed um, at this point? I, I think each team will be handled differently. I don't, it's not something I've, I've dealt with. I, I don't, I honestly don't know, Brandon. I, you know, okay. I think business has been good enough with revenue sharing that all teams should be on decent footing. I don't, you know, it's not like 2010 when, you know, the league was buying the Pelicans and we were giving away the Sixers and we're fortunately not in that mode anymore. But I think, again, you know, in, in FUBAR land, we get to just reset the rules. And I think the RSNs, our business partners, um, the MVPDs, everybody gets to do a reset on MFNs, right? This is all you know, a new, new world for us. And so I think that can end up being positive where we can all really align, uh, align our incentives and line our upside together and really push forward. 
Because again, I truly, truly, truly believe that the world right now needs sports more than ever. You know, the only thing missing right now is walkers from, you know, the land of the, um, what is it? The, um, world, the walking dead, right? We're just missing the walkers from the walking dead. <laughs> it kind of feels exactly like that. What it feels like, you know? And so in that type of world, when you recalibrate everything, you need sports more than ever. And so the value of our content is, I think, and obviously I'm, I'm selling my book, is going to skyrocket. Everyone does. Yeah, I'm, it's going to skyrocket. Again, let me go back to what I said right off the bat. People, you get Disney, right? You get Disney Plus and you just do month to month. or, oh, And so you're going to go through, your kids are going to go through all your content, 100% of it, right? And because you're, you're stuck at home for the next two to three months, let's say, right? On Disney Plus, they will, that's for sure. Yeah, so it's all used up. And all production is stopped. Nobody is producing anything. So now we're coming out on the other side. And you can't just all of a sudden just, okay, we're going to create great Disney, you know, Marvel production and just load them on Disney Plus or any streamer for that matter is in the same time Warner. Everybody's in the exact same position, Netflix, et cetera. There is no content being made right now. Now, that's horrific in a lot of ways, but it's the best thing ever for sports. The funny thing is, though, but the funny thing is, is if you think about it, like Netflix was criticized for having too much content and having so much that was coming out too often. Now they're sort of in this unique position where they have a pretty good amount of content piled up that nobody else in the industry does. Yes. Right. That's why I still have my Netflix stock, you know. (laughs) And by the way, just in the interest of candor, I did sell January 2021 calls for 450 calls for $23 a pop. I mean, I just couldn't do it. I had to do it. (laughs) But all that said, Netflix will come up. So now we're in the world. So let's just say it's November and um, the league has started, whether it's a new season, current season, whatever it is, right? Now all those streamers need content, original content badly. And they need it in volume because they need content that's replenished continuously. You can't just turn on the spigots for original content, movies and TV shows, because those things take months, if not years, to create. What's the one type of content that fills that need to reduce churn? Sports, the NBA. And so- Mandalorian. I, by the way, I, we haven't talked about it once uh, this whole time, but news content, I think, is obviously sure. becoming much, much more important than ever. And when we talked about cord cutting um, at, at the beginning, I think one of the main reasons people uh, may not be cutting the cord is because of the importance of news content right now. I know yep. personally, I haven't watched Netflix um, or HBO once since it started. It's pretty much CNBC during the day and CNN and MSNBC. That's why you're driving yourself crazy, though. No, I, I know. That's why I'm having trouble. Yeah, I'm having trouble distinguishing between like COVID and panic attack symptoms at times. <laughs> so let me ask everybody, how many times do you fill your forehead to check to see if you have a temperature every day? Turn off. I have, a, I have a thermometer right next to my bed. <laughs> and, and, and at this point, the only thing that, the only way I distinguish between Saturday, Sunday and the rest of the week is 
that there's no CNBC content. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> let, me just tell you, let me just tell you the most important thing you will hear right now, and I want you to go online. I want you to scream it out, out of the rooftop, off the rooftops, right? Shark Tank has an original episode tonight and for the nice. next few weeks on ABC. <laughs> so, well, so Rich, hold on. Let, let, let me ask a question. Twitter following, and he will tweet that out. Yes. And I'm sure somebody is is listening with a big Twitter following um, who will retweet that as kind of yes. a quid pro quo for coming on our first hangout. But, yes. um, so a couple of questions that have come in from, from people who are online. Sure. One is, how many people would actually have to be, if you had an empty stadium or empty arena, how many people all in would you need to operate a basketball game? Total people in the building. Um. So you don't need ushers and the like, right? You don't need concessionaires and the like. You just need media and immediate team resources. And even the media potentially could be done remotely, just like we're doing this, right? Um, just being able to have access to the feed and just introduce a delay that levels it all out. Um, so if you can do remote media, 25, 30 at the max from each team, Okay. At the max, right? Um, and actually probably closer, well, 15 players. Um, yeah, probably 30, let's say, just to play it safe. And then with media, add, with production and everything, add another 50. Because you just have one production from each side. Um, and it'd be like the All-Star Games and, and Finals where everybody just takes the same feed and just does their own broadcast over top of it. This is my business model of getting away from Joe Buck. You just provide the video feed and then insert anyone's commentary that is possible. Then none of us have to listen to Joe Buck ever again. Hey, I like Joe Buck. Now, Tony oh. Romo, that, Tony Romo does the real deal. What do you think happens with the Olympics? I have no idea. None. They'll do everything possible to make it happen, obviously, because, again, for the re reasons I mentioned earlier, the world needs sports. And do you think, how do you think, uh, obviously, there's been a lot of uh, talk about China over the course of the last several weeks. When someone just asking, what do you think all of this means for kind of NBA's relationship with China still on the mend? Yeah, I mean, hopefully, and I'm, I'm just guessing, obviously, hopefully everybody just says, you know what? Shit happens, right? We need to start all over again. This is, we're, let's all hit the restart button and go from here. I sound like Hillary Clinton, don't I? Let's hit the restart button. Yeah. <laughs> let's just, let's just put that bygones be bygones. Let's try to get the world, make the world a better place. And despite and all the part of that also, okay. let me just add, part of that has to do with oil and everything else too. So there's other global issues that come into play that, you know, who knows how they impact all this, but um, you know, we're not, this is, this just isn't dealt with particularly with international relationships, just, you know, on an isolated basis. One of the questions we just got was on the CBA. So the NFL just was able, despite all of the craziness going on, the NFL was able to get uh, a majority vote positive on their CBA. And was just curious if you had takeaways, if you look at what the NFL is doing, anything that has implications for the NBA? I mean, obviously you've got a few years left, but I'm just curious what your thoughts might be. I don't think so. I mean, if anything, you know, you might get an extension early, but I, I'm just guessing. I don't know. Yeah. So from the standpoint of this $9 plan that you had for the Mavs, someone's asking, they don't understand how it would work or kind of how the dollars would be hacked up. In, in your mind, what were, you, what were you thinking? So my revenue stream is already from the RSN, right? So put that aside as is. Um, if, if Rich um, decides to subscribe to the Mavs network 
and it's $9 a month or $79 for the entire year if you pay up front, then the um, MVPD would get, the, the um, RSN would get what they would normally get in subscriber fees, probably more, and the MVPD, MVPD would get the remainder. So I don't know exactly what um, the, R, the Fox Sports Southwest um, amount is, but whatever that is, it'll be more because you won't have quite as many subscribers. And the MVPD, rather than just paying in and collecting it as part of their bundle, um, will just get a direct fee from that. And maybe I get a dollar, maybe I don't. A name that we've talked a bunch about is Twitter. Uh, uh -huh. I've been a big fan and sort of a believer that in this news cycle, Twitter's become that much more indispensable for consumers. I mean, mm -hmm. engagement's picked up a lot well before this pandemic broke out. We saw engagement uh, users growing 20% year over year. Uh, I know this is a, a name that you've been interested in, in the past. Just curious, you know, are you as excited as I am about Twitter right now? Yeah, so here's why I like Twitter, because their pay-per-click advertising for small businesses sucks. Right. So there's only one direction that it can go. Everything else is working in its favor. But like with my Shark Tank company, people talk about what they're going to do on Facebook, Instagram, Google. Nobody even mentions Twitter. Not ever. And they're still generating revenues and w the usage patterns are going up. What you know, their AI is getting far better and what they display. They're giving you more options. They're giving more protections. So the meanness isn't quite as mean and you don't have to deal with all the garbage you dealt with in the past. So they're doing all the right things from the user perspective, not 100% of the way there, but on their way there. And so there's only one direction, particularly for SMB and um, usage of Twitter for advertising, and that's up. So I, and that's, that's really the key reason. Brandon. Yeah, I, you, you, look, Obi, you look like Obi-Wan that's just about to fade <laughs> into the background. <laughs> what can, I think I have the whole Obi-Wan look, look going Obi on anyway right, right now. Um, we actually got someone just emailed uh, me a question for you, Mark, and I, I'm just going to read it. Um, how many people need to be in the gym to put on a basketball game? We just said that. We just talked about just that, Brandon. Sixty. That's what you, sorry. That's that's when I was reading all these these emails. That's so embarrassing. Brandon. That was embarrassing. What's going on over ten, there? All right, there's ten more emails that I so that I had. Just so. uh, I, um, I'm gonna. I'll go. I, got, that, I, I, <laughs> I have nine more questions here that that oh. I've been uh, reading through. That was embarrassing. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Well, Mark, um, when you look at M&A, obviously there's some big companies, Apple, Google, Facebook, you know, there's obviously sitting on tremendous stockpiles of cash. Curious, M&A wise, I mean, do you think we start to see some big M&A? I mean, there's gonna be a lot of companies that seem like they're going to be struggling after this. I mean, the government may come and do some bailouts, obviously, but it does seem like, you know, cash is going to be king coming out of this. Yep. Well, there should be, right? What they do will depend on how things play out because we really don't know. Um, and who gets elected. I mean, the DOJ could change if there's a change in the administration, obviously, right? But you know what? We'll be dealing with all the ramifications of all the bailouts and loan programs for so long. It's going to be really hard for them to, you know, to say anything about, you know, big tech. It's going to be nearly impossible because everything else is going to take precedence. 
Yeah. I, I have I mean, another question. I'm sure this one hasn't been asked for Mark. Would you support Cuomo for president? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> <laughs> not, not Chris. Andrew. <laughs> you know, um, well, it, it, it might not take many votes since no one can leave the house. <laughs> One of the categories that's obviously, you know, sort of an interesting place right now is podcasting. I mean, obviously people are stuck at yeah. home. They're listening to probably a lot more content than ever before, not just watching content. Podcasting, unlike video, though, you don't need big production sets. People can be continuing to report God podcasts right from As home. As opposed to this big production set. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I was thinking relative to, you know, I mean, the TV industry, you know, there's obviously new episodes of Shark Tank tonight, which is great. But TV TV is going to run dry pretty fast, I presume. Uh, whereas, you know, radio and even in this case, podcasting seem like those are two mediums that should benefit from being able to continue to create fresh content, even through the pandemic where people are stuck at home. Yeah, of course. I mean, but if you have your favorite, con I don't think There'll be some new, it's like anything else with a long, long, long tail, right? Same thing with books. Same, you know, it's just, there'll be some new podcasts that pop up and listeners slash viewership of podcasts will go up considerably. I just don't know how you play it. You know, it'll be good for them and they'll retain some of it when it's all said and done. Radio, you're not in your car, so, you know, nearly as much. So I don't know the overall impact of radio. It, I'd be interesting to hear your views because... Radio is damn cheap right now. And so I just don't know how it translates and how the economics work there. Yeah, look, look, I think the problem right now that we're facing, I mean, we went through a list of the top 60 advertisers and it was fairly shocking. You know, when you look at the list, I mean, 12 auto companies in the top 60 advertisers, uh, 11 quick serve restaurants, uh, seven movie studios and entertainment companies. I mean, it, it's this is, you know, I really worry that advertising is going to be, you know, is going to be very tough over, you know, something we've never seen before. We've seen recessions uh, and, yeah. you know, e even in recessions, auto companies suffer. But this is sort of the double whammy of, of sort of people not leaving their house, not being even able to go to a car dealer, uh, you know, being able to even look at a new right. car and also being more strapped. And it just it would seem like, you know, TV, which is already in a tough place. As much as people are watching more TV, the way TV is monetized is through these big companies. And I think the financial, you know, mortgage companies, insurance companies, they're going to be, certainly insurance companies are going to be okay through this. Uh, and there's a lot of them in the top 60. But I do think the car side of this equation really has me worried. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's an issue. And it was an issue um, in 2008 and 2009. It's been an issue in every significant recession. But I think don't sleep on the fact that 40%, whatever that percentage is of companies are crushing it right now, crushing it. You know, if you sell toilet paper, you're, you're Charmin. Charmin is the happiest it's ever been in its entire life. And, I, and the point is, and I don't know how you play it, right? But those companies, they're going to see, like, I'm telling my companies, you know, get ready to ramp up because when all these others fall off and rates fall some, we'll be in a great position because these, re these revenue levels are not going to be sustainable you know, when things start to get back to normal. And so now's the time to really make an impact. And when we come back, um, if the car companies aren't there, I think some of the companies that really did well, they'll make up for it. So I think the real effort right now is to try to figure out those consumable companies that maybe used to, like breakfast cereal has been dying. I bet they're, they're coming back, you know? And so there, there are industries that are going to be doing really, really well. 
and should advertise. The question for you guys is to find out who will make up the slack. So well, maybe one we of, have different advertisers. Well, one of the interesting Dude, things we noticed. Gonna come in, telecom's going to come in big, right? So they're, they're a top 10, 20 advertiser with 5G launches and, you know, some new competitive yep. entrants. That's going to be a big increase, I would guess. Look, though, it's a it's a recession or potentially a depression. Advertising is going to be down. That's that's just that's just a fact of life. It's not all going to get made up. And I think this seems like it's going to be a more severe event than many of the other recessions that we've had in the past. Well, just different. Just yeah, right. Yeah, I think you got, if you go back to two thousand eight, two thousand nine, what was interesting was yeah, you know, of course, autos were down twenty five percent, but categories that were up. I mean, as Walt was just saying, the telecom industry was up. Actually, they increased their spending. Food and candy increased their spending. Pharma increased their spending. So people came in and took advantage of it. One of the companies we noticed over the last seven days that's come in roaring, like literally shooting up the charts of ad dollars on TV has actually been Facebook. So they're sitting on a ton of cash. Obviously, their reputation has been beat up and they're literally going in and capturing TV market share, promoting groups. Obviously, you can't advertise or you can't gather in real groups. So Facebook is literally promoting gathering groups on Facebook right now. I think Facebook's going to have some real problems, though, obviously, dur- during this recession, though, because of the effect on small and medium businesses. And that's kind of their bread and butter. On the I, advertising I, side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, they have plenty and plenty and plenty uh, uh, of cash. Um, so it's it's kind of a short term blip. But I think that there could be a more outsized um, effect on Facebook than there is even on TV advertising because of the SMB in, in this particular situation. Yep. Guys, I got to get going. A couple more questions that I got blaze. Okay. We have 14 of them on the screen right now. Pick one we haven't heard, Brandon. Well, how do I know? I'm, I'm only paying attention part of the time as we know. <laughs> I think going back to that fan question, though, timing-wise, do you think it's like in politics to, for someone to come in and, and swoop in and do some M and A? No, now? no. Like it's so if, if I'm if I'm at any of the fangs, right, and like a potential acquisition, I'm saying to the government, look, I'm saving you bailout, right? You know, because like I talked to a senator this morning and her and their staff, and it was like, look, all these people that are talking bailouts, if you don't do if I'm negotiating for the taxpayers of the United States and I'm like, if you don't give me no buy, no stock buybacks ever, you know, whatever you do for your execs, you have to do for all employees, this long list of things, go find PE, do a deal with them, see how you like dealing with them, you know? And if you can't find PE, come back to me. It'll be the same thing. You know, if, if you can get acquired, we don't want to give government money, go get acquired. And so I think, They'll, they'll be able to breathe. This will be the one time they'll be able to breeze through the DOJ without having to deal with issues because mm-hmm. otherwise the government might have to come out of pocket. You think that extends to AT&T that like the, the administration so far back on their heels that, that maybe they go after dishes, pay TV business, and they're not going to get as much shit for CNN this time around. Yep. Yep. Because I mean, if the, there's a possibility, if you can make the story that they'll be el- they're going to lose X number of employees otherwise. Yes. Right. Who's going to win the NBA title this year? The no, Dallas Mavericks. It can't be Mavs. You can't <laughs> say the Mavs. If the Mavs didn't exist. <laughs> what would oh, you do I to get, 
What would you do to get Ben Simmons to shoot more threes? Would you get him a special coach? Like, what What do we have? Okay, this is going to sound bizarro, but I'd give him the Buddy Heald contract. The buddy? I'll let you do the, the Buddy Heald who plays for the um, Kings. I'll let you do the homework on that. He gets paid for threes? Pretty much. Wow. I think he'd start. It's too late. He already got his max deal, but. Can no, Joel can Joel and Ben win together, or do they need to be separated? I just hope to God they can't. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I say all the time: everybody sucks but the Mavs. So I don't care about yeah. that. <laughs> well, they definitely ahead, did suck recently. That's for sure. Yeah, we all go through ups and downs. Mark, I know you've been amazing. Thanks for joining us on very short Thanks notice. Yeah, thank you. Um, I know you're going to drop. I think we're going to spend a few more minutes just talking with the group and then go from there. And cool. thank you so much and be safe. And you know what you got to say? Shark Tank tonight. You got nothing else to do. I know <laughs> and that's the truth. And what channel? Right now. Hold on. What channel? How did you do it? Hold on. Hold on. company in the whole world, Disney. Mark, Mark, how did you get it back on Friday night? Um, bitched and moaned about family viewing. You know, we, I've been screaming forever that we lost our kids because they couldn't stay up late on a Sunday night. And the folks at Sony did a great job of convincing them. And we're we're up as much, if not more, than any other show right now. And so, yeah, it's been incredible. We win, We keep on winning our nights. We're back up over a one on Live Plus 7 um, on 18 to 49. And, you know, our numbers, obviously, like everybody are going up. And we'll see what happens for tonight. Um, yeah, Crazy times. My guess is you're going to have record live ratings for Shark Tank tonight. That's just my bet. I'm I'm good with that. You know, out of every, you know, in a food in the world of foobar, you need your heroes. <laughs> All right, guys, I got to play. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks, Mark. Hey, um, Walt. As long as we we have so many people, we still have a hundred plus people already online. You want to talk about the piece you just put on 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 wireless and what why you think uh, in terms of implications for Q two? No, I don't think we need to go into too much detail. <laughs> it's bad. I mean, stores are closing. People aren't going to stores. Shelter in place. I'm actually amazed that anyone's going to stores, and also amazed that I can call a store that's two miles away from the synagogue in New Rochelle. Um, that was the, like the center point of this, 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 uh, containment zone and they're still well, over. Or well, that's Fremont. over Cuomo. Okay. Well, so in yeah. Fremont where the sheriff was shutting down Tesla factories, I could still call wireless stores there because they're trying to define themselves as essential businesses. So who knows oh, man. how it's going to last. All right. Good point. Exactly. Cause how, Rich. what percentage of phones are bought in a store? Uh, 70 to 80%. Right. Everyone thinks it's just going to go online when Google, when what, what's called uh, Google file launch, everything was going to go online, but it's really basically 10 or 15%. Apple stores are 5%. So people, except for the freaks that line up to, to uh, wait for the next Apple phone, which is a very small portion. Most people are actually walking into a store to pick up their new phone, which is in my mind, still crazy. I don't know why you don't have your phone shipped to you, but the vast majority of customers are still going to stores. The question that just came in was, can we talk about Snapchat revenue trajectory? And look, you know, the only thing I'd say relative to Brandon's comment before about small, medium business on Facebook is Snapchat, uh, much like Twitter as well, does, does not have the millions of advertisers the way Facebook does. I mean, it's probably, they don't disclose the number of Snapchat advertisers, but my guess is we're talking, you know, 
hundred thousands, tens of thousands, but certainly not millions of advertisers. Uh, obviously, Jeremy Gorman would love there to be millions of advertisers, but that also means that small, medium business is a far smaller part of it. I also don't think the travel industry, leisure industry, were big advertisers on the Snap platform. So Snap is probably better off. I, again, to Brandon's point, everyone's going to be hurt by a recession. There's no yeah, doubt about I, it. I, I think the, the reason that Snap is underperformed really is there's no actual real valuation support there, right? Is that, I, how do I, I you think, think about that, Rich? Well, well I, I think that's part of the problem, right, is that people are you, – you can certainly look at Facebook and that there is some level of value, even if you destroy there, revenues. Exactly. There's valuation support. There's free cash flow. Um, it, Snap just it just doesn't have that, right? The, but on the flip side, the one thing we know is that we've got these mobile platforms are utilities that are getting used by – I mean, kids are not at school. They're sitting at home. So Snap usage – all of these platforms are going to have far greater usage. And so while they may get hurt 100%. on the revenue side, on the other side of this, yeah, having I, people well, that are more addicted should be positive for the long-term story of these companies. It may be hard to stomach in the short term in terms of the revenue shortfall, but I don't think any of these companies are going away. And on the other side of this, my guess is they're just far more – usage is just far greater than it was heading into the pandemic. Can we, can we kind of take a step back and talk about some of the behavioral changes maybe that we're seeing um, during the pandemic and, and what we think might stick around um, following the pandemic that could it kind of that whereby this could kind of be a catalyst uh, for businesses on the other side? Um, sure, where do you want to start? You, you, you just talk about, I, I mean, I think the one, the one for, for me is video games and um, obviously, we've seen we've seen the numbers. I think Verizon said uh, video game engagement is up seventy percent, um, uh, sort of same week year over year uh, since this began. And I'll just say, three people today have texted me and told me that they're buying uh, video game systems. Um, so, to to the extent that this can breed a a kind of new group of players as Fortnite did, I don't know, kind of broaden things out a couple of years ago. Uh, perhaps these tailwinds per persist um, uh, past this. I don't know if there are any that you what guys was the Verizon? What was the Verizon stat in terms of video game increases? Uh, 70%. I tweeted it. You retweeted it, Rich. Do you just blindly retweet me? Don't no, give our I, I just away. didn't. I didn't remember the percentage. I'm just saying, seventy percent is a <laughs> is is a big number uh, in terms of you know increase in a week. And uh, to your point, if people are buying more systems, those numbers are only going to go up as you look out over the course of the next few weeks. Right now, you you have more you have more embedded consoles. By the way, another interesting related, yeah. but it's kind of a non sequitur stat. <laughs> Um, we're used to that. Yeah, of course. A lot of people are to think that since we're all staying at home, that Wi-Fi usage goes up, which it does, um, and your cell phone usage goes down. But um, Open Signal, one of our partners, had done a study in Italy uh, that showed that yeah, while there was increased Wi-Fi usage, also cellular usage increased as well in the home. So just usage in general on screens as people are locked down is going up, no matter what network they're using to connect on it. They're, they should have some data on the U.S. shortly. Walt, are you surprised that Europe is having trouble keeping up and asking companies like YouTube and Netflix to, to downgrade quality? I think it's from what, from what I've kind of ferreted out, I think it's a couple individual countries. So I think it's kind of they're, they're saying it for the overall EU, but it's one or two countries maybe. 
I really don't expect that to to happen in the U.S. Meaning that I don't I don't think we're going to see Netflix come and throttle twenty five percent or whatever the hell they're doing at NEU. Um, so it's not that surprising. I mean, look, you know, if you don't get a return on investment in certain countries because of you know some of the regulations there, then obviously investment's not going to be made. So it's not completely shocking. Brandon, to your question on behavioral changes, I guess the one that I'm thinking most about, because I think as soon as there's a Taylor Swift concert, my kids are going to want to go as soon as the, you know, it's quote unquote safe to go to a concert. But movie theaters is the one where I'm, I'm less certain of what happens. I mean, the theaters are asking for bailouts after over leveraging their balance sheets and taking a lot of compensation at the executive level, which seems a little absurd. But I think the the part that I wonder about is just when this is over, does behavior, which was already starting to shift away from going to a theater and, and the bar of like making you leave your house was going up. It seems like the bar coming out of this will just be that much higher after you've burned through so many movies at home. Uh, you know, we're seeing movies, you know, some of the new release movies on Netflix have outperformed dramatically, I think, because people are dying for new movies and there aren't any sources other than Netflix for, for, the, for that content. And so, look, we're going to see some early tests. Universal is going to put out Trolls in a couple of weeks, direct to consumer. We'll see at $20 what the uptake of something like that is. Uh, Disney's releasing uh, Onward, which was their kind of underperforming Pixar movie comes out tonight for $20. But, you know, that seems tough. A $20 movie when it's going to be on Disney Plus in two weeks for $6.99. No one yet is still willing to put their big blockbusters direct to consumer, whether it's F9 or Bond or Mulan. All of those titles are getting moved. Everyone is still counting on the box office being there. The question is, is just will the behavior you know, will it will it snap back in 2021? And, I, and I'm a little skeptical that it snaps back anywhere near where it was in 2018 or even the first part of 2019. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I'm a little more skeptical on, on this sort of uh, direct-to-home um, first window film release. I, I don't really know, unless, unless the movies are particularly um, good, or have some kind of following, I don't think there's going to be too many people um, who, who buy them. That's just, that's just my gut feeling because I think there's perfectly substitutable products on Netflix and other places um, that are included in subscription. By the way, just as a programming note, since this is our first time doing this, I think mm-hmm. what this platform enables us to do is if someone actually wanted to hop on, and oh. coming to video or audio, that's possible. I think there's a raise. I, I think you should be able to see Let's a raise. do that. So if someone's willing to be a guinea pig and raise their hand and we can put them on live and get them on. And, the and if not, Joe Galone will do it. We can start reading off. No, I'm not kidding. Um, so, uh, but I'd like to be able to do that. I'd like this to be able to do that in the future, Rich, where we, you know, we got a lot of interesting people on this call. Um, if someone wants to raise their hand and, and be involved in the in- engagement, that would be super. Does anyone know? We'll, we'll try and plant someone for next time. That's what we should have done with Cuban. We should have had him like in the participants, like, oh, we have someone raising their hand and then just bring him in. Like, oh, hey, Mark. And um, also, I, I want to say, please send us email feedback on what you thought about this, how you think we can improve it, because we're going to do more of these. We've already spoken to additional guests um, for the coming weeks. Some of them. Oh, yeah, if, next week's gonna be we, good too. Yeah, ne- I think next week's. You first be of all, very you gotta good. get a better. You gotta get a better camera. That's like the Obi Wan thing is like no, no bueno. I mean, someone someone is, just said I like the Obi Wan look, but more light would be helpful next time. 
Is it? Do you think it's the lighting? I think it's like the Liz Taylor like filter of like you know. I, I don't know why this is a good laptop. It's uh, like a ThinkPad or X1. I don't know. Maybe what I can get guys, a new computer. One of the questions that came in is, "What are you guys penciling in for the 2020 EPS hit down five, ten, fifteen? Uh, the honest answer is, it, is, it is so widespread. I mean, it's a great question, but Oof. you know, you look at companies like Disney, where literally every single business line is, is impacted. You compare that to companies like Netflix, where you know, usage is probably going up. Subscribers are probably going up. Uh, production's obviously being disrupted on, on content that's in process. But th there's going to be a very wide gamut. I mean, I think companies like Netflix and Spotify will obviously weather this the best. And I think, you know, on the other hand, you know, companies like Disney are, are going to, this is going to be extremely painful. And you're going to have to really look at kind of, um, 2020 as a, a really troubling year in terms of the level of EPS decline. But I think you're looking at declines that are w well above the 5 to 15%, assuming this goes on for months. I mean, Verizon could see in some ways higher numbers because they've got lower commission costs from all these phone sales. It's a recurring revenue business. They're missing out on some fees, but they're making up on a lot of expenses. Apple Q, I mean, Apple Q2 is going to be... But you know, look in Q4, if they can get if they can get the phones out, maybe you have a big, a big pullback or a big um, you know upgrade cycle that that hits in the fourth quarter that makes up a bunch of earnings for the for at least for the calendar year. Um, someone just asked favorite sector. I mean, our, you know, I'd look, I'd say from our standpoint, you know, cable companies obviously should be in a better position right now. Obviously, I don't think anyone is canceling their cable service. Uh, they need broadband. They're living. You know, I think the stat we got yesterday was Altice 50% of subscribers are upgrading to higher speeds or 50% more than normal are upgrading to higher speed tiers, I think was the stat wall. Yeah, that was, yes, yes. So that's a meaningful improvement in, in people looking for higher speed so they can do things like Zoom, more people online at the same time. So cable should benefit from, from that. And cord cutting, you know, we were talking cable about it before. Cable got some SMB exposure though, right? And on the business they, side. They, they do. They definitely have SMB exposure. And I'm not sure T-Mobile's going to sit on their ass and not do anything with the spectrum that they're getting in terms of trying to go after the, those customers. And obviously people have got a lot of different views on how broad of an impact um, SpaceX can have in launching a service on the margin for some of these guys, but we'll see. We just got a really interesting question in. I think this is for you, Rich. Uh -huh. So what So what did Iger know? And was this really fair to Chapek? Quite a way to start your tenure. Oh, yeah. Uh, look, this is a tough, you know. <laughs> this might be the last one, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and then this, I actually this, have other calls. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really tough time for Disney. I, you know, I think the reality is, I think we're going to look back and, you know, if, I don't think the brands are being damaged in any way. I mean, people, I mean, look, you, you look at the pictures, people were literally, they probably shouldn't have been, obviously, but people were packed tens of thousands of them into Disney World on Sunday night, uh, even as the park that was, was closing. That was embarrassing, by the way. Uh, but the point is, people love these brands, and I think in many ways it shows that the love of the uh, love of the brands, and this is just the perfect storm for Disney. I mean, really, every part of their business is being affected in a way that I'm sure they never anticipated. Uh, you know, people don't know Bob Chapek very well. He's obviously been around the Disney businesses for a very long time, but I'm not sure anybody has a, a quote-unquote plan for every part of your business effectively being shut down or disrupted uh, as Disney is facing right now. Did Iger tarnish his legacy by leaving during this crisis? 
Look, it's certainly strange. I mean, I, you know, you would have thought that, you know, having Bob as CEO during this crisis to, to lead the company would have been important. Uh, on the other hand, he clearly saw what was happening over with their China parks. And, you know, you have to believe to some degree um, he was trying to, um, you know, uh, quote unquote, protect the legacy, uh, you know, in terms of getting out when he did. But this is a, a really tall order for Chapik. And, uh, you know, someone made it sound like, is this fair? Uh, it's obviously not fair to anybody. I look, I, you know, I feel bad for everyone watching this. We're all, we're all suffering. We're all dealing with very difficult environments. But, um, you know, I, I think the question really from a Disney standpoint is just, you know, why did it take so long to shut down um, so many of the, their operations that were obviously, you know, l- letting people gather for so long? And that's a question we'll obviously have to learn more about over time. But uh, right now, I think the real question, you know, that we're struggling with, because you can obviously look and very quickly understand the impact uh, on the theme parks and understand that, you know, they're losing, you know, um, real dollars every single day. I think where it becomes harder is just understanding to Mark's topic before, what happens to these national advertisers? How many stick around? Do the telecom companies step up on 5G? Obviously, Sprint is a top 15 advertiser, what happens to, you know, does T-Mobile absorb all of that spending and spend even more? Or does the absolute level of Sprint and T-Mobile still get curtailed? Obviously, that's going to be painful for the ad sector broadly. Wait a minute. If you look at the last month, AT&T and Verizon were spending less than T-Mobile. So it's not like there's a scale where they're going to take the T-Mobile spend and the Sprint spend and spend the same amount. It's just, it's just going to go away. Right. And so that's going to be painful for the advertising industry as well, for sure. By the way, getting back to the favorite sector, I mean, one of the ones to think about in terms of lower risk recurring revenue is the tower space. They're going to see accelerating growth in terms of the 5G spend, T-Mobile spending, Dish is coming in, Verizon's going to have to spend. The, the issue, though, is that they've, they've gotten a flow of money in from REIT money, and REIT money is now seeing massive outflows. So valuations still haven't come in all that much, even with the pullback in the market. So conceptually, it's a great area to be in. Recurring revenue, low risk, low churn, accelerating growth ahead. You know, are you getting the great, the best entry level when, when you're copying against REIT names that are also like industrial REITs, which have imploded in terms of valuation? It's, it's, a, it's a little bit challenging in that regard. Well, we've kept people for an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, I, I think we're I at a good lunch. Yeah. I think we're at a good break point. I want to just thank everyone for joining uh, the Lightshed team uh, and putting up with a little bit of, uh, of us trying to figure this all out on the fly and um, keep sending the questions in. We're going to try to do this on a regular basis. We're looking for more guests. We're out talking to people. Uh, if you want to be a guest, just let us know. But we're going to do a bunch of these over the course of the next couple of months because I think we're all going to be trapped inside for an extended period of time. And we'll try to keep it entertaining. Uh, we'll even let Brandon ask repetitive questions a couple of times. <laughs> I'll try and pay better attention next time. I promise. Listen, it wasn't that I didn't remember. Of all it the was questions that I was time. No, I was reading all the other questions, so I wasn't paying attention for, okay. well, for a few minutes. Second time. <laughs> what? Later, boys. Thank Whatever. you all. Bye. <laughs>